0: Okay so I want to talk today again about uh about ProVision and Vision and we're we're in a vision season and we're kind of marching up the vision Sunday April 9th is vision Sunday um but specifically I, I want to talk to you about uh, how ProVision fills Vision and uh and what what God's been assuring me with is that he's wrapped all of this in love that that it's all wrapped up in the emotion of love. And, and he, he wants us engaged in this emotion of love. And this is, this is how he pours and why he pours goodness out on us. And, and I guess we could think about it from the natural as well. We could think about it from the, from, from our own families. Many of you, uh, many of you, uh, have been raising families. So many of you are adults and you're at that place where you've had children in your home. Uh, Many of you have been married or you've had experiences in relationship and, uh, and you know how fulfilling it is, how fulfilling it is to have an expression of gift giving, especially gift giving that meets a Expectation, or heart cry, or desire of the person receiving the gift. Yes, Uh, and you know, you you know exactly the opposite of that as well, right? So, one of your children, you know, they're really desiring something, they're believing for something. Okay, and it could be a bicycle, could be a computer, could be a guitar, whatever, right? And uh, and instead, you get a ukulele you know, uh, instead of, you know, the new Xbox system, you know, you you get a little handheld chess set, you know, and they open that up and they're like, ah, oh, oh. and so your provision didn't meet the vision. Has that ever happened to you? Anybody ever happened to you? Okay. You're all excited about this gift, and, and and you open it up, and it's not the right thing. Okay? Uh, we have a terrible tradition. We, ha- we have a terrible tradition. I don't know if I should tell on us. Should I tell on us? I don't know. We have a terrible tradition. So they're not watching this morning. They're not streaming. Uh, but for Christmas, every year, Mom and Dad give all four of us that are males in the family. Did they include you, Ryan, last year? I don't, did they include Ryan? In this, because we have five, we have five males. Did you qualify? Actually, I, I, I actually, it. I, were you present? I don't know if you were present. I, I don't know. But anyway, each year they. We love Ryan. So each year for Christmas, you know, uh, they have this tradition of giving us all, kind of a funky shirt from JCPenney that none of us would wear. Okay. And we all, you know, we, we all know what's coming. All of us, you know, so we all pulled it over. Oh, grandma and grandpa. Oh, you shouldn't have, you know, and as we drive away from the house, we drive to JCPenney and turn them all in every year, every year. Sorry about that. Sorry. Grandma and grandpa, please forgive us. We love you if you're watching this morning, God bless you. <laughs> okay. So the, you know, the first year that it happened, the first year that it happened, everybody pulls it out of, I think they're in gift bags, you know, so grandma's gotten smart. She doesn't wrap them. You know, everybody pulled them out and everybody, all the boys go, oh, no. and then they, you know, we all put them on, we all walk around for about five minutes, you know, and then, Or the rest of the evening. And then, you know, mom saved them all at the end of Christmas. We all piled in the van that first Christmas. We all piled in the van. They're like, these things are terrible. I'm never going to wear this. And mom's like, that's all right. We'll stop at the store on the way out of town. And they're like, whoa, score. Good idea, mom. So really all of this sin was your, oh, oh. That, I shouldn't have told that part. It was probably my idea. So it is, though. With so it is with the the giving of gifts. Here is what we're discovering. We we looked at this a little bit last year. Is that, that Father Father loves to give to us. And immediately when he starts relationship with us, and this is so typical of Father, when he starts relationship with us, and we were studying out of Genesis the that Genesis is the book that's called The Law of First Reference. It's the seed book of Scripture. We're studying there in Genesis and, and immediately, you know, uh he he begins this relationship with Abram, who's later to, to be called Abraham. Uh so and and, and he starts this relationship with all these promises. And by the way, promises are his way of giving you something without giving it to you. So don't despise promises because promises are actually yours if you will just expend the faith to receive it. So uh, you still have to spend your faith dollars. You, you you still have to. The economy of the spirit realm, the economy of heaven, is, is faith. But when he says something over you that's a promise, it is his way of loving you and his way of expressing that he wants to and is about to fulfill something amazing in your life. And so this is the way it is with him, is that things with him are initiated. He's an initiator. He's pursuing us and he's initiating and, and uh, 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 capturing our attention and declaring good things over us. And this is his approach with Abraham, Abram, in Genesis chapter 12. He calls him out of Ur of the Chaldees. He calls him out of this, you know, Haran, this terrible, it was way, way over here, and calls him to move way over here, separate from uh, his pagan uh, family, and to come into a relationship with him. Then he, he wants to give him this whole region of real estate. By the way, that whole region of real estate was inhabited by those that were ungodly, out of covenant. They were unclean, and he wanted to give someone that whole area, and it was like the garden of God. It says it was actually like Eden. So he leads them to this place that was like Eden, the garden of God. He brings him there. He shows him this land. He says, look around. All of this I'm going to give you. So this is this is so typical of God, but God God's a person. He likes to be loved back. I mean, if you know that. That That's part of this whole relationship is that this is this part of why he's given you a free will. Part of why he's made you a sovereign person is he actually wants to be loved back because you want to love him back. I mean, don't you hate it? I not mean, you had, you know, those times where, you know, we have those funky times in our marriage, too. You know, it's like where, you know, you I've been ignoring her, you know. Like, completely, and uh, so then it never. And so, well, we'll just for sake of illustration, we'll we'll act imperfect just for a moment. All right. So I've been ignoring her completely, and you know it's been going on for some time, you know. And uh, no roses, no flowers, no love, no kindness, or whatever, you know. And uh, so then she has to tell me, you know. So then she has to kind of be sad sack. And then I have to say, "What's wrong?" And then she has to say, "Nothing." <laughs> and then I have to, I have to pump it out of her. No, really, what's wrong? Really, nothing. No, I know there's something wrong. All right, you're a big poophead. <laughs> okay, so you know, so the, finally it comes out that I've been ignoring her, right? And then she hate it. And then she, you know, well, what, what could I do? You know, and then you had this conversation. Well, if I told you what to do. And you did it, then you wouldn't be doing it because you love me. You did it because I told you to do it. Then it wouldn't be love at all. Did you have you had that conversation? Two honest people in the building. Uh, three, four, five, yes. Uh-huh. Oh, back there, yeah. Okay. So this is you know, God God is really cool. We're we're really dumb. So, uh, I think he's had a few of those conversations where he's like, no, this is how you love me. This, is, this would be really cool if you did this, right? And so, this starts with Cain and Abel, and uh, Abel, Abel says, oh, really, that, that's what will bless you? How many of you have read The Five Love Languages by Gary Smalley? Okay. So, you know, he talks about The Five Love Languages. It's important that we know the love language of the person that we're connected to. That's kind of important because... Uh, If what ministers to them is uh, gifts, for instance, let's say gifts, that's one of the love languages. If what ministers to them is gifts and we're always serving them, then we're completely missing a collision of love. So us doing the dishes and vacuuming but never bringing a gift, we bring acts of service but we never bring a gift, is like they'll be thinking, he doesn't love me. He absolutely doesn't love me this relationship is just, it just sucks. It's terrible. He doesn't love me. Okay? And all of the time, he's just loving you. You know, he's just caring for you. He's vacuuming the car, starting the car up, washing the car, doing the dishes, doing some laundry. Sounds like the dream of every woman in this building, doesn't it? Okay. All right. So, or it could be just the opposite, right? He's lavishing on you, you know. He's lavishing on you gifts all of the time, and you're like, I just would really love some acts of service. I mean, this guy comes home, he puts on his slippers, puts his feet up, you know, lights up his cigar, and that's the end of the evening. Okay, skip the cigar. I, I, I'm sorry. Okay, you you didn't relate on that part, but anyway, uh, so and you hear what I'm saying? Another another. Another one of the love languages is words of affirmation. What's interesting is these five love languages also, they don't relate just to human relationships, but they also relate to our vertical relationship. They also relate to our relationship with God. And so this is the way giving started. The way giving started is he gives to Abraham and he gives to Isaac, and he gives to Jacob. And this is the way giving started. And then they give back to him. They give back to him. They build an altar, and they bring something that is costly, and they sacrifice it on the altar, and it blesses him, and it comes up as a sweet aroma, and it blows his mind that they thought of him, that they cared about him, that they... That they and this is what, what pleases him. It's one of the things that pleases him. How I many of you know words of affirmation please him? So in light of the offering of Jesus we don't bring animals anymore but but Hebrews 13 tells us that we still bring the fruit of our lips. And the fruit of our, that means he loves words of affirmation. You are amazing. You you cover me. You bless me. You, you are my strength. You're my help. He loves these words of affirmation. If you, if you withhold words of affirmation from Father, when that's one of the things that relates to his heart the deepest, then he's like, do they really love me? I don't. I don't really know if they love me. And maybe you're thinking, well, I'm just being really cool. I'm being chill. I'm I'm being pious. I mean, this is how I was raised. I don't talk much, you know, to the Lord about my relationship with Him. I, you know, just break out of that thing because Father wants to hear. He wants to hear words of affirmation. He loves your, and He receives your words. He receives them. We heard a couple of weeks ago from Tom as a sacrifice of praise. The fruit of our lips is a sacrifice that He is well-pleased with. So in light of, you're thinking, well, Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice. Jesus was the sacrifice. Jesus is the sacrifice I enter into. Therefore, I'm done sacrificing. Hey, Sound like a really cool Christianity to me. That one's easy. Okay. But there's sacrifice that we still enter into. There's sacrifice that's appropriate in Him because as He has offered a sacrifice that has washed us and given us a bold access to Father and removed from us blood guiltiness, and sin consciousness, there's still now the sacrifice of love relationship, the sacrifice that shows Him, that illustrates, that is fitting normal and right for those who are in love relationships. And we are in a love relationship with our Father and with our, His Christ, our Lord, our spiritual groom. We're in this love relationship Yes? So, these are still pictures of things that are relevant and powerful. Uh, And out of the love languages, I'm thinking, you know, some of these are are so good. Words of affirmation, quality time. Well, I, I really don't have time for the Lord. I'm so busy. I am so, you know, Tammy, Denny grabs Tammy and reels her into an outreach event when she's a single mom with a bunch of kids and she's working full time and she's got all sorts of issues and she's got stuff she's going through in her own life and and says so you know the immediate thought when that happens to any of us is i don't have time for that and and i'm not qualified for that and but this could be the healthiest thing you do the healthiest thing you do is to pour out is to give out is to is to make some time make some time for the things that will build your core, build your heart, and, and and the things that Father smiles on. When we get involved out of worshipful sacrifice, out of love relationship, in the things that speak to Father's heart, we're talking about things that speak to His heart. We don't miss His heart. We're not doing something that, that totally goes past Him. And He's like, what in the world? What are they thinking down there? Okay? But we're actually involved in something that speaks to his heart. How I many of you know he's emotional? I know it's weird for us to think about God this way. You know, we think about God as as uh, separate, we think about God as uh, independent, we think about God as uh, not needy. Right? Not needy is kind of an interesting thought. Could he exist without us? Absolutely. Did he choose to? Not a chance. Would he rather have a relationship? You that are moms and dads, can you live without your children? Yes, you can. What kind of weird answer was that? going to cast a fear of man out of every one of you. Okay, of course you can live without your children. Would you like to? There, that's the right answer. Is it better to live with them? Better to live close to them? No, I don't mean the same house. But it's better it's better to have close relationship than distant relationship. And we have to think, yes God, yes, God could live without us, but he 's chosen from the beginning not to he 's chosen to have relationship he 's chosen to have us near, he wants us near, and he wants us near because we want to be near and then he's and then he's because we 're kind of dumb uh he's he 's given us he 's given us some clues like this is how you could love me really good, like quality time would be cool, right. Acts of service, oh, I love that one, okay? But he still gives you a choice, right? Uh, Gift-giving, oh, gift-giving really gets my attention. And so he's, you know, words of affirmation, oh, when you get into that word of affirmation mode. See, and all of these are important. If we think, well, I'm I'm not going to do the gift-giving thing. I'm a tightwad. I'm going to stay that way. I'm just going to give him words of affirmation. He's going to have to settle for that or nothing at all. Really? Okay, you really are dumb. Okay, so I mean, we ought, we ought, we ought to move past that one. We really—we we really should. If he's given us some key insights to his heart, we should really take that as wisdom, and then involve those kinds of things in the way we live. Yes. And you know, the cool thing is, he takes—he he takes the gift-giving aspect and uh, He gives us provision for our visions, we give back to Him provision for His visions. Because He's chosen to do all of this with us, not without us. I've I have I've been I've been alive a long time. I've driven a lot of areas. I've uh, you know, I've been all over the place. I've never seen angels doing outreach, building churches, going on the mission field. It'd be kinda cool. Drive by a property and it's just going up and you're like, whoa. There's some invisible hand in there. Okay. But it, but it's together. We are partners. The Bible says we are co-laborers with Him. And so He gives us provision for our vision. and prov- We share provision with Him, back to Him. Just think if He gave you nothing, you'd have nothing to give back. I know this, that's kind of a bummer thought. I mean, you know, we. But uh, we actually build ourselves up with that thought every so often, we can uh, you know on one of our walks, we'll say, "Well, it could be worse. <laughs> it could be a lot worse, right So life could be a lot worse, and then if life was worse, we would have less to give back so he 's giving you he 's giving you and every gift that he 's giving you every every vision fulfilled. All provision, sustenance, substance given to you is actually an opportunity for you to love Him back. And when you love Him back, then His visions are fulfilled because He's chosen to be partners with us. Together we build buildings. Together we go on the mission field. Together we take the gospel. Together we have radio, television, websites. Together we have Bible colleges. Together with Him. Together, together, together. He pours into us. We pour back into Him. And we do it all out of this. He wants it done all out of this crazy love relationship. Loving Him back. Loving Him back. Loving Him back. Amen? Still glad to be in church? Let's look at um, Genesis 14 real quick. Uh, I want to just pick it up right there. Genesis 14, 17. He gives Abram a great victory over five kings. And Abram gives 10% of the plunder back. And he gives it to Melchizedek. And this is the first instance where actually the gift giving moves not just from altars, because there's been many, not just from altars, but the gift giving actually is defined by stuff. There's a bunch of stuff. And he gives this, and so verse 17, after the return of the defeat of these kings, uh, Melchizedek, verse 18, king of Salem brought bread and wine. He was the priest of God most high, and he blessed Abram and said, Blessed be Abram God, of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. I love that because we're in the Abrahamic covenant. That means I'm a possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high, who's delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abram gave him a tenth of all. Okay? Hebrews 7 tells us about this. So this is the first, and, and I'm trying to lay this foundation with us, that gift giving started before the law that actually the law was just bringing some new clarity to gift-giving. But gift-giving to God started before the law. It started with all these altars, and now it moves into goods. It moves into stuff. It moves into possessions. And then we see this typology continues to be developed in Scripture. And obviously, when he gave 10% to Melchizedek, Melchizedek did something with it. God does something with your gift-giving. He loves your gift-giving, but when you give it, he does something with it, right? Kind of a crazy thought. So where did all that stuff go, right? He does something with it. And and your release of gift-giving is not where the stuff goes. It's that you gave the stuff. That's your release. You don't have to worry about where the stuff goes. Well, we, you know... Uh, we gave to the church, and i i don 't know what they 're doing with that now i mean they 're just they 're doing something really uh dumb with that they 're even dumbed down at the church i mean they 're just doing something ha, we just think they shouldn 't do that, and we shouldn 't give and so we 're just so but actually the blessing and the reward and the joy and the love is in the expression of giving not to not to worry about where it goes after that, yeah. And so he gives this gift. So this was really cool. And what I love about this, and I, I don't know if I brought it to your attention, uh, but, but what I love about this is that God responds every time. So God initiates, and then you love him back. And every time you do that, God shows up with something crazy. Like when you love him back, it's like he goes nuts okay? in a good way. I'm not saying God goes nuts in a bad way work with me. He goes nuts in a good way. So Genesis 15, then immediately God's like, wow, he comes to him responding to this gift giving. And it says, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision and said, don't be afraid. I'm your shield and your very great reward. And then Abram's like, well, cool, but I'm childless. Can we talk about that? So then the Lord starts talking to him and promises him a son. Right? So then eventually, some years later, the son comes. He promises him the son, and we see several instances where he reiterates the promise of this son, all the way up to Genesis 22. And when we get to Genesis 22, the son is here, and the son is a teenager, maybe 13 years old, so he's got the son. So God promises the son. And there's lots of altars in between. And lots of times God shows up after those altar experiences with another promise or a reiteration. Uh, One time he shows up even at their tents and he reiterates the promise. I think it might be chapter 21. And Sarah laughs. You know, could this come to pass? You know, I'm like an old lady. Abram by then is 99. The Lord changes his name to Abraham. And they're like, what? But God fulfills it. God brings it to pass. Now we get to Genesis chapter 22. He gives him the son, but he asks him to give the son back. Kind of a crazy thing. But a type, a type of what God does with us, with dreams, with visions, with fulfillment, with stuff that God gives us, is that from time to time, God might ask you to give it back And he's actually not after the stuff. By the way, whenever God asks you to give something back, he's not after what it is. He's after your heart. So if God has ever asked you to give something back, remember that. Remember that. Abram knew that. Abraham knew that. So it says in Romans chapter 4, he was willing to make the sacrifice of his son because he's like, well, He promised me the son in the first place. So if he wants the son back, he must be going to raise the son from the dead. So it says in Romans chapter 4, it says in Hebrews chapter 11, that Abraham received him back in a vision as one who was raised from the dead because God made this promise. So whatever God has in between, if he wants me to sacrifice the son, I'll sacrifice the son. I'll do whatever he asks me to do so that he knows he knows that he is first place in my life not my stuff not my possessions not anything that he's given me but him he alone is first place in my life let's pick it up at genesis chapter 22 sometime later god tested abraham and he said to him abraham and he said here i am and he said, And God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love. I want you to underline that if you're able. Whom you love. He's after stuff that we love. He's after that which represents the things that we love because it's when we present the things that are most precious to him, the things that are supreme in terms of what we love or they represent what we love when we present a portion of that to him, then to him, it's letting him know that he has our heart, that he is first with us. Take your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. It's the highest mountain region. It's the mount region. It's the mount where Zion was built, where Solomon's temple was built. It's the place where In the future, actually, the law was given, and the law came forth. So it's actually known as the mount of teaching as well, or education, or wisdom. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain, I will show you. So early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place that God had told him about. And on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. And he said to his servant, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there, and we will worship, and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. He and himself carried the fire and the knife. And as the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father? Yes, my son. Abraham replied, The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. By the way, I want you to have that confidence about every dream in your heart. Every dream in your heart, everything God's ever said to you, everything God's ever declared over you, all things that pertain to your future, your provision, and what's ahead of you, God will provide it. Have that confidence within you before you ever get to a place of tithing or giving or offerings. Know that regardless of what you give or what God asks you to do, that God is still the God of provision, that He will provide. You will come short in no dream and no vision. Amen? Well, that was a shout of faith right there. (laughs) So the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it, and then he bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, saying, Abraham, Abraham, here am I, he replied, do not lay a hand on the boy, do nothing to him. Now I know, now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. So Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, The Lord Will Provide. That's where we get the name Jehovah-Jireh. God was known that day as Jehovah-Yireh. He was known, and and this was where we we get him revealing himself in Scripture as the God of provision, the God who, who will provide. And to this day it is said, On the mountain... And this is interesting because the inference here in scripture on the mountain the lord will it, of the lord it will be provided but the inference in scripture is on the mountain of sacrifice on the mountain of sacrifice it will be provided now, what's that mean? Uh, we can second-guess God. We can, we, can, we, we can think that withholding is more appropriate, more sound, more wise. And we can, you know, uh, if you just go on the web, I went on the web, and there's, man, interesting. Uh, there's all sorts of people, you know, criticizing and mad at Dave Ramsey because he promotes tithing and giving. I thought that was really interesting. Uh, and, of course, these are all Christians that are mad at him. Uh, and, the, you know, and so because he is promoting, you know, an unscriptural position, you know, kind of a thing. And we can, all, we can get all wise in our own heads about this. And we can, we can think about how, the, you know, it's just better, you know, if we, you know, we've got bills coming in. We've got a house to pay off. By the way, if you think that you should withhold because your bills are big, I got good news for you, bad news for you. Your bills are going to be big until we put dirt over the top of your casket. You're always going to have big bills. Do you have big resources to meet those bills? And, and here's the thing is that you will never know the resources of God until you get up on the mount of sacrifice. It is not until you take the thing that you love and get up on the mount of sacrifice and lay the thing you love on an altar before the Lord... It is not until you get to that point that the ram in the thicket or the provision of God will be seen. If you are trying to hang on to your life and guard your life and be cautious about your money and just give God a tip now and then, you will never see this kind of Mount Moriah, Mount Zion, provision of God. You have to get into a place of risk-taking, a place of vulnerability, a place of trust where you're able to love Him out of what He's given you and lay it on an altar and it becomes dead to you. That's what an altar is all about. It becomes dead to you. Some of your money has to become dead to you. If some of your money is not dead to you, then you haven't fully sacrificed it. And until you get to a place where you sacrifice a portion of what God has given you, you have not brought an offering, you've not sacrificed it, you've not set it aside, but, but unfortunately, unfortunately, you will never see God's crazy provision. You're thinking, oh, I don't know about that, that's not really true. I mean, I've seen all sorts of provision now. And so what you're doing, you're evaluating the provision you have now as the maximum provision of what God has for you. You're saying that what God's done with me not giving offerings is the supreme expression of what God would do. But I would say to you, no, God actually has much more for you, much more resource also to channel through you If you'll get involved in this kind of living. Now, what I love, I told you about this, is that God gives crazy stuff, then He asks for a portion of it back, and He says, When you do that, it's loving me, but you have to do it on your own free will. But when you do that, then God shows up in these crazy ways. I told you, this is a crazy, crazy pattern. Look what happens next. It says, On the mount of the Lord, on the mountain of sacrifice, Of the Lord it will be provided. And then immediately, look at this, the next verse, The angel of the Lord then called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said... I swear by myself, declares the Lord, "But because that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore and your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Wow. I, I don't know what more God could have done. I'm, I'm thinking... That if, if, you know, you've seen these pictures of Isaiah where he's a wheel within a wheel and where he's a burning fire and where he's a blaze and where he's this and that. and I think that the wheel within a wheel was doing cartwheels. I, I mean, something was going on when this expression, when this expression of love was shown that he couldn't help himself. Here comes, here comes his declaration through this angel, prophetic blessing over him. Again, anew and afresh. Isn't that amazing? This is how God works. This is how God works. And this is how this is how this reciprocal relationship of vision, provision, vision, provision, he speaks over us, then he releases the blessing, then we bless him back. And it fulfills what's in his heart. And we just have this reciprocal, crazy love relationship going on. And maybe it looks a lot like what you have in your home or something you've got with a spouse, some of you. Some of what we, you know, we dream about. That's what it looks like. Let's stand this morning. God wants to lure you in. He wants to lure you in. Wants to lure you into being a gift giver, to taking the most precious thing, the most precious thing to you, which is money or what money buys. It's money or what money represents. See, money represents your life, your labor. It represents your education, your skill, your talent. It represents every opportunity and all favor. Money represents all of that. And it is to us. It even represents time and what time can buy. And to all of us, a portion of that given back to the Lord is one of the greatest, loudest expressions of love that he will ever receive. Heads bowed, eyes closed all across the auditorium this morning. Let's pray. Father we just welcome right now within our own hearts a shift a shift of loving you expressly lavishly we welcome a shift within our own hearts a shift of love relationship where we where we we understand and welcome that you are a person that we can bless you, that even as we are blessed from others, we can bless you. And We welcome a shift. We welcome a shift of believing fully that whatever sacrifice is set aside, whatever whatever sacrifice of gift-giving would please you, bless you, honor you, love you well, that it's never for our want. It's never for our loss. It's never to disconnect us from supply or provision. But it moves us into a deeper place of receiving expressions of goodness from you. And We receive that right now. In Jesus' name. Keep your heads bowed with me if you would. I want to close this morning just by inviting us all across the room to draw near to God in salvation. If you're here this morning and you don't know the Lord, you're not assured of your salvation in the Lord, you're not assured that your sins are forgiven, that immediately and right now you have eternal life. Should you walk out the door today and be hit by a car, something happened, calamity, strike, or some difficulty, you're not sure that you have eternal life. You're not sure your sins are forgiven. The Bible talks to us about sin, and we've gathered here today because we recognize that we need Him, that without Him we really don't have hope, that we are partners and partakers of the wrath of God that will be poured out upon Satan and the enemies of God unless we draw near to Him through Jesus. The Bible says in Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 2, That people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Even some will have a form of religion, but they'll deny the saving power of God. And Paul wrote to Timothy and said, have nothing to do with people like this. This is us in our flesh. This is us in our carnality. This is us separated from God. This is why we need the sacrifice of Jesus because we can't work our way out of this. We're a mess without him. What God's done for us in Jesus has removed the stain of sin The price for our salvation has been paid. And we're forgiven, recovered. And through what Jesus has done, we have access to Father so that our inner man can be transformed and changed. If you're here this morning and you're saying, That's for me, that's what I want. I want the altar workers to come as we close this morning. I want you to make your way up to the front and be prayed for, be prayed with. Do not let yourself get out of this building without an assurance that your sins are forgiven. Christians, you're here today and you've been struggling with a habit, a behavior, an addiction, a difficulty. Maybe one of the things that I just read out of that scripture right there The Lord wants to set you free. The Lord wants to set you free. Don't get out of this building without letting someone pray with you and moving you from a place of condemnation or guilt or bondage into a place of freedom and deliverance. Amen. Prayer team, come quickly. Prayer team, come quickly. We're going to worship as we go. And as we go, I'm just going to let you come. And make your way to the front. Respond to the Holy Spirit. Don't let sin get the best of your heart. Don't let a history of difficulty. Don't let even something over this past week be keeping you from all that God has for you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that you're working. We thank you for the ministry of salvation and redemption and restoration in our midst. and We just welcome you right now. Just seal us with your love. Seal us with salvation. You're the initiator. You're always pursuing us. We so appreciate it. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Let's worship as we go. Come and respond to the tug of the Lord on your heart.